0: So here we are. We're going to bring her up right now, and you guys can give a big, warm welcome to Melissa Broder. (laughs) Mythic. The universe is vacant because I am here. I brought my holes and all the men flew up inside. What got left behind are women who will save me. I want to lick a cosmic titty because God built me with these holes. So I am coming for you, God. If you are the mad cow, then I am your wayward calf. If you are the mother, I say more love now. And if you are the father, then bounce me on your knee till I feel it in my holes because that is where... I need to feel it. The nature of our concerns. This is a fire, a fire of learning to die. Fuel the fire with no objects specific to one generation, just a pyre of sitting in the collected whispers of all who have lived. Allow them to frighten you with their having passed and still keep sitting. Don't reach for any clothes or tattoos. You are always naked anyway, and yes, you do have angel wings that grow heavy with love sometimes. Love is all the time if you are quiet. How much are you quiet? when I hear the word serenity I think doped I am told to sit and wait for it in the liturgy of moths like there is even a choice like if I called it would eclipse my sad sack of dark words no it would not No, it would not. Every time I called, it came, but not like a thunderhead, not the lasers I expected. Always people people words, or some piece of person ripped sideways. Sideways spirit, below as above, and no one is watching, but please believe it cares. I must believe it cares and cares. As hurt dots the sod, let my tongue unravel to lick a milky cord. Even as I waste my minutes, Let me cream the cord right to my heart, with syllable and spit, though it will never be what I want, and I am going to have to resemble me as I came into this desert, broken up and full of bones, like the universe is too big to be seen all at once, like the whale was already written, like okay there is a light, but I cannot feel the nod. I will not get to feel the nod, and if I feel the nod, it isn't it. From a place of blank. I opened my eyes on day zero and said to the universe, shake me. And the universe complied, which felt too real. So I built another universe within the universe and crawled inside. And I keep thinking, my little universe is the only universe. But then I think, no, that is not the universe at all. It is destruction when in truth everything is the universe my little universe and the big universe and when i ask the big universe what it wants for me it says so easily become a channel but mostly i think the universe just wants me here so i am here in a pain of my making and this is the last poem i'll read congratulations stephanie very honored to read at your launch I give a convincing sermon. I give a convincing sermon. I say the body is a coat. It is a very dark and heavy coat, but worthless. Mother Mary nods from the pews. If I give Mary all my atoms, she will plant them in a garden where ripened women relinquish their bones to make room for littler women. It is dangerous to grow accustomed to a garden. Just when the flowers soften you, they disappear. Then you are a weepy fern among among skyscrapers. I don't want my soul exposed like that. Neither can you make a garden stay. Don't even try. Every plot becomes a dark city over time. I have collected many dark ideas over time. I have so many ideas, they are a second coat. Melissa Broder, you guys. Melissa Broder. Her book, Meet Heart, with all these little hatchets on the front, is available in the front. And she'll be up in a minute for the Q&A as well. All right, you guys. So what we've all been waiting for here and we're excited about is Stephanie Ford. She's here right now. You know, she studied art at Grinnell College and writing at the University of Michigan. And her poems have appeared in the Boston Review, Harvard Review. Tin House, uh, Fence, and many other journals. She's originally from Boulder, Colorado, but now she lives here with us in Los Angeles. So put your hands together, you guys, for Stephanie Ford. Yay.
1: Thank you, and thank you all for coming. If you know me at all, you know I don't get out nearly enough, so I'm extra grateful for all of you for coming out today. How's the sound? Fine? Okay, thank you. All right. All right. I read a bunch of these poems in, um, on the East Coast last week and I'm really grateful to sort of have them be here in their natural habitat where some of their references don't seem quite as offbeat, I hope. Award season. In the region of feeling less than lost, antiphon of gas-powered leaf blowers, cemetery, caution tape, carousel, zoo. Last week's carnations stay plastic and blue. The prison bus bypasses the semi-snapped axle, and I remember in pieces how I made my way here. It was sunny. It was Monday. A few moments ago, I opened the door, admitted conditions. Two fraying clouds, one giant Kentucky Fried Chicken Bucket scenes and streets missing a murder to name them after more than vacancy. Our victim. Ancestor of no one, claimless and under all weathers, I elect myself heiress of these green glints of bottle glass, of the loose-knit zeros inscribing their shadows across the expanding flats. The unsung self takes seed in such badlands, in a soil of shed wings and spent ammunition. When night calls me in, I tether my silence to stars and star lichens, entertain the specimens of frontier dread, field notes and ankle bones dredged from a stream bed, our victim suspected of living alone, of paying her debts to the torched plateau, of hearing the gun range calliope keen, the ballad of nobody's home. Um, this next one is called Saraband. Saraband is a, um, it's like a stately slow dance that Baroque composers like Bach in, uh, incorporated into their... Um, their music suites um, but I was thinking of it in relationship to sort of the dance of entering freeways from on ramps at commute time <laughs> trying to make the best of it Sarah Band two by two we tempo the cloverleaf oh I should say that too so on the east coast a cloverleaf it's a cute little green thing right that grows in lawns what are lawns <laughs> it's a loopy way of getting on and off freeways Two by two we tempo the cloverleaf, swallow blue downers with turn signals blinking, alone under mercury, singing in stop and go. In the room without warblers, room full of sitcoms, few avenues lead us to the edge of a rest, to a union called Mourning the Luminous Future in photographs cut out and kept in our heads. In the orientation, didn't you two picture the glorious slime molds? wolf's milk, tinder, carnival candy, doing their good work while the manager tugged at his clerical collar? We must be adrift in a really big church. Our silence is taken for abundance of worship, still trying to feel and feel like a teen, to mean, repeating, I meant to be more and more delinquent, to better the lacewing and tree swift at temping to do a sly kindness and do it without sleeping. To do sachet past the guard gate, past discount liquors, past the landfill's last wink, be someone's favorite form of protest. Invite all this infinity to hammer me past sense, knife the guy wire of evening and a reel. I live in California, so I drink water. Drink more water. Uh, Just a couple more, and then Melissa and I will have a conversation about all kinds of exciting things. (laughs) (laughs) No, not that one. This is kind of the title poem of the book. Address. Landlord, I am all pilgrim, lost in privet hedge and primrose, caught in every kind of bind. If you are so near and mine to please, we must be neighbors. Won't you grant me a gate pass that we may gin the juniper, share a porch swing, and drink to the ankle monitor of a day off? I, too, like to watch the pageant advance all evening between shows. Weekends, I have tried to master each of your tricky species. Larkspur, foxglove, black-eyed Susan, the vivid cardinal at the feeder, testing the domestic kitty but sir what profit in your salamander so thrifty it nibbles its own slothed skin and what compass in a wilderness so whole it owns and inhabits us both and the last poem I'll read is the longest one it's just four um, sections each one on its own page so that's why I'll be flipping around all I remember of meteorology for I did disintegrate, did break, on a slow day without gravity. Before the wind uprooted the fig tree, after the parade, between assassinations, because it was Exmas and I wanted to survive, I let my words leave me and tiptoed away, let the bright world briefly be. I went to bits, giddily, was all I saw shattered, adrift without objects, awake without eyes. It was nearly a life how I wanted to make light, how day brought its anthems and I drowned the day out, left the news to the furniture and bent to the whispers, to the tempests I heard under actual statements, said no to the sun's blatant pills and saints, as if an unseeing star could lease me from time, could float me to the previous earth behind words. When I needed company, I let windows fill me, and this storm that ruined a tree while I watched. It was a trilogy of weathers. Termites, rusty nails, mouse incursions. Then the theater of landing neither here nor there when I could have been saved by a gift or a game by letting the blunt nouns invade. When a cold wind proposes rain for days, The mind confabulates assorted bad endings out of any available shift in pressure. When every local god's gone global, I find myself straining in evening's wake, erased by passing skies and neighbors. In the green room, New Year's Eve, I breathed with the machine, the machine breathed with me. I was what I saw, the gap, the interstice. In time, a marching band, the automatic cuff. A voice saying, easy, easy. That's all. Thank you. So, um, again, thanks for coming. And especially thanks to Melissa Broder for agreeing to come and talk to me. Um, I finally get my notes. Hold on. Yay. Um, For me, Melissa's poems um, really open up a space um, very boldly to address um, certain issues, particularly ones um, involving the spirit life, um, spiritual desire, uh, spiritual emptiness... Um, failings of the spirit perhaps um, that for me are really dicey and difficult and uncomfortable to address in traditional terms um, so I'm really grateful that we can have this conversation because I feel that she finds her very much her own language sort of outside of um, established languages to talk about those issues that were really important in the writing of the book for me but kind of covert and so now I'm hoping that we can actually like talk about it a little bit out loud. Um, Can I ask you the first this. question? Yeah, please. Okay.
0: Shoot. So, I have them on my phone. Um, okay, so um, in, in one of your poems, you talked about something called the awe industry and um, and there definitely appears in your book to be a difference between sort of like a manufactured awe versus like the awe of nature right um and which is interesting thinking of you also being like a, such a westerner right like we were right. talking earlier and raised in Colorado live here right college in Iowa um And I just wanted to see if you could talk a little bit um, about the relationship between nature and spirituality for you in the poems, like how that functions, and um, also maybe the relationship, like the difference also between um, the way nature and spirituality functions in the poems versus, like, nature and religion.
1: Yeah, okay, that's a lot. Thank you. <laughs>
0: that's all really good. It's like five um, Yeah.
1: Um, and I think, I mean, starting with nature for me is really important and I, and I thank you for that because I think that all of my poems start out with a sense of place. Um, there are different, like, literal places in the poems. Um, like you said, Colorado, where I grew up, Iowa and Michigan, which is sort of like my family's Midwestern roots, and um, and Los Angeles. And But I wouldn't say that they're kind of literal in all the poems. They're sort of, they represent different things to me and they, and they intermingle um, in different poems in different ways. But I think that um, I want to talk about, like, vanishing and the will to vanish a little bit in regards to your poems too but for me um, I feel like the, the the western landscape always felt extremely um, present to the point of being overwhelming I'm of that generation like where you could actually feel that that nature was was really like strong and powerful and not only vulnerable now I'm like <laughs> coming to see it in a different way also which is, is sort of complicates that feeling but um, I think that because I Maybe we'll talk about a little later. Don't have like don't feel a strong connection to actual language of religion. The nature was sort of like the most present and apparent thing. And I, but it was a a sense of feeling kind of overwhelmed by it to the extent of being um, sort of um, in a sense willing or perceiving that in the end that's where we're all headed. That's where we came from, and that's where we're all headed. Um, the natural world to sort of in the poems um, practice that disappearance, um, which. Is about as close as I am also able to get towards religion. I think that nature always inspires in me. Like so often, the initial impulse in poems is like ecstasy. It's like, wow, look at those clouds. Look at that egret. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and that somehow, I'm very rarely, as much as I think that I'm writing those poems, like the ecstatic poems, and they always seem to. And I'm curious about how this might work in your in your poems too. I always seem to flip after like the weeks and months or years of working it on a poem and trying to see well, what is it about that particular moment that I was really trying to get it. Um, I end up. Um in a sense of, um, like the fallen world and myself within that is also fallen and sort of willing, um, myself to, to rehearse for a disappearance into that landscape. Also a certain probably guilt-ridden, um, American feeling, which goes back to the all pilgrim thing of, wow, this, this, this entire land is sort of, um, uh, my existence here, uh, comes from a very compromised morally position. And so, well it's like a, almost like a will for a, a reverse colonial to just go back go back in it's there waiting for you the land is waiting to to take you back in Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk maybe a little bit about that sense of um the ecstatic urge in a poem versus where poem, it seems like both of our poems sometimes end up I mean do you feel like you are heading towards um that kind of rehearsal of the of a death urge in a poems or do you feel like you're writing the ecstatic or trying to and then end up like how do you end up in your poems as opposed to where you think you might be starting? Does that make sense
0: yeah um I had a a teacher a while ago who talked about like that a poem, like a good poem has a weave in it, so like there's like darkness and light, like it's not just one thing and um, so I think and that's like I feel like the way we kind of go through the world, like even when you have like a, a bad day, there's still like moments of light and even when you have like a great day, there's still like Friction. that undertow yeah, yeah right. like just friction like living in a body living in the world um, so in that sense I think poetry like does mimic life in that way but you talked a lot you, or you talked a little bit about um, that desire to disappear yeah. or vanish and like for me I feel like there's two kinds of vanishing there's like the ecstatic vanishing like, like a sort of a death wish and like just wanting to be like either so high you're gone or just like extinguished just like not for me I mean not everyone feels this way <laughs> I'm
1: like suicidal ideation not everyone has it but well, it's also like I mean too like it's like it's related to the body and sex too in your poems a yeah. lot right I mean it's yeah. yeah to like get out of yourself right. for me basically so there's like that but then at the
0: same time like there's an, a death anxiety like um which is kind of in contrast with that and it's like well if I could have like never been born that would have been awesome or like if I could just be like gone or like transcend That would be awesome. But, like, I don't want to go through, like, the dying process. Like, I'm so scared of, like, the dying process. Like, I don't want to experience the disintegration. I just want to be disintegrated. So, like, like basically, like, death is, like, fine with me. But, like, dying is, like, not fine with not me fine at with all. Not yeah. So true. that, I think, comes through my poems. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's two kinds of vanishing. There's, like, this great vanishing. And then there's, like a really scary vanishing where you're, like, watching yourself vanish, which I think is probably connected to ego.
1: Right, that's right. And so how, I'm curious how the writing of poems then sort of um, fulfills, complicates, enacts that process. I mean, I was wondering, we were, I think, when we were talking uh, between ourselves earlier, sort of talking about um, how often a poem might arise from a sense of void. Mm. But I was also thinking, well, how often am I sort of, like, Creating that sense of void in order to make an occasion for writing a poem, mm. a little bit.
0: Right. <laughs> like, in what way is it willed? I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, do you feel like you're like must not be happy, must no. be poet? You know, definitely <laughs> not, um, really not. No. Um, I mean, I think like it probably has to do just like with with wiring. Yeah. You know, like yeah. those who are wired. I think like that that thing that like makes life itchy yeah. and like makes you kind of look a little bit like under the surface mm-hmm. and like think about this shit is probably the stuff sorry there's children is kind of like the same thing that i would i think compels a person to like Like, why would you make art? And why would you bother writing a poem? Like, it's 2015. I actually, I haven't read in a while. And, like, as I was standing up here, I had this moment where I was like, I'm reading (laughs) poems. Like, and it's
1: 2015.
0: Yeah, it felt very strange. Um, So I think it's, like, it's kind of, it's, like, I think it comes from that same place that just, like, a desire for more than what the world is giving you.
1: Right. I mean it's certainly for me it's an impetus for reading poems other people's poems as sort of um, artifacts of surviving these questions on a momentary basis I feel like that's one of the reasons I like reading your poems or the poems that particularly yeah. draw me to them is this the sense of um, you know whether they kind of come out on top of the feeling or not and I do feel like in my poems I'm always like this is the one where I'm going to kind of come out on top where the, the life embracing mm. moment is going to come out on top and I'm surprised looking back at the book like how often it sort of ends on the minor key um, <laughs> I'll try I'll try for the other you know in the next one but um, but that's certainly um, a reason to, to go to poems and to go to art for me I think is to see that that process of sort of getting through those feelings but I'm really curious to ask you now selfishly because so a little bit of background about sort of my own interest in in these ideas is that just that I grew up in a family of scientists in Boulder Colorado in the late 70s and 80s and Boulder at that time and maybe a little bit now but it was such a hotbed of sort of spiritual spiritual seeking as just sort of like a general cultural environment. It was like Moonies and Hare Krishnas and Western Buddhists and Catholics and a handful of Jews and um, spiritualists and every single, everyone you seem to encounter on the bus or on the street seemed to have a connection to truth um, that in my family because they were scientists it was like totally not allowed. They were sort of like if, you, if it's not testable, if it's not externally observable and testable in multiple experiments... <laughs> (laughs) that it doesn't count and I really took that to heart I guess I mean I sort of I respect the scientific mindset enough that I decided to try to take that into the world with me but I felt such tremendous church envy um, such tremendous um, envy for people who could sort of access that language in a comfortable way in a complicated way it's not that I think that people who have a traditional um, relationship to established um, modes of spirituality or religion um, are sort of buying into something that that it covers up a certain truth but I just I can't do it So, so and I feel a little bit like I wrote the book and, and some of the poems just to be able to say somehow how can I get the word God in somehow how can I say it and make it feel a little bit true for me or heaven or church or whatever but you seem really conversant and like a really like uh, versatile and correct me, if you don't feel like this is what is going on in your phone, but you seem like like you can take these words, you can take this language and kind of play with them and and complicate them, but that you have access to them in a way, and I'm wondering sort of what do you have um poetic models for that? Are there other texts that you go to to sort of feed that interest, um or is it just kind of a natural thing that you've that you've been working with for a long time as a poet?
0: I think it's like I think it's actually kind of. I mean, I definitely like steal nouns from other texts all the time. Like, and you have thing, great nouns. So, right. I mean, I love the nouns. They're not
1: mine. <laughs> no. I mean, like, I just. I They're don't the know. nouns. So I feel
0: like one way to like sort of debunk your own like narrative as a poet and get like kind of out of the ego is like to like I'll just if I'm reading something um, a book that I love or like a collection of poems that I love I'll just like take nouns that I like from it and just like get like a huge pile of nouns and then like when I feel drawn to write a poem I'll just like use that sheet and it kind of like derails me from what I think I want to say entirely, you know because so it's it's not like it's not conceptual art. I mean my stuff's very lyric and like it's kind of a giant vagina it's like basically just like a big like confessional poem, but um, but like um, but I think that that can sort of like derail you. But in terms mm-hmm. of like the religious imagery, um, I sort of have a Christianity fetish. Or mm-hmm. I did, I did meet hard and like summon scarecrow. Right. My new book, like I've sort of stepped away from right. the cross. But, um, but. And I think that's because I, like, wasn't raised Christian. I was raised Jewish, right. and, like, but the, I, I always found, like, the Jewish God kind of a jerk, but, like, not enough of a jerk that I don't feel bad. Like, I, I feel like I can talk about, like, having sex with God, and, like, it's fine, you right. know? Right, It's sort of, like, an interesting... No, but, I mean, that,
1: to me, that's amazing, because for me, it's, like, those words feel so powerful that I'm nervous actually uttering them, not mm. because I understand it coming from within it, because I'm coming from outside of it. I'm, like, I don't know what I'm messing with when I, sort of, enter this territory, or I feel like a fraud. Right. Like, they're not. they're not my words to you or
0: it can be like "Ooh, you believe in god that's so, you know like sure. i feel like At it's so much it's... cooler to be an atheist right you know so it's like culturally yeah right so when people like if people find out you believe in god even though they don't even know like what you're ta- when you say god like i feel like god is just like a signifier like my god's like definitely not probably like any other god that like you know other people have but um right but it's like kind of embarrassing it's like oh that's like you believe in god like I don't know. Right? No, it's. I mean, it's sort of like. It's do like, you watch like Christian broadcasting network? Right. Like what?
1: And so okay, it's, but this is the thing that poetry can do: is to sort of reclaim that. Yeah. Right. But I. But it, they're they're dangerous in that way. Those words right. feel feel definitely iffy. They feel iffy for me. But what made when you really want to? to it. Like, what made? Was it just
0: the challenge of taking something that was so counter to what you were raised with, or what made you want to well, work it? I
1: think. It in? Yeah. I mean, I feel like. I try to sort of take that, um, that objective stance in the poems. I really try to start with the world, and I think that sort of goes back to what you were asking me in the first place about nature and the sort of the matrix of the material. I try to start with the world and see how far I can get with, with actual observable things and things I could point to. And there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of standing and pointing at things. Mm. Oh my gosh, that gun show poster. Wow, look at the gun show poster. I can't believe it's a gun show poster. It's like an advertisement for death. This is crazy. But eventually you have to get past the gun show poster and trying to find... and trying to not just um, be accusatory towards the world um, to try to implicate the self in some way. And somehow... This is how I seem to get to those words, and I don't know if, if it's, you know, if it's a true connection. If I'm just sort of flailing and grasping for other things that could sort of um, explain the way the world is, but it is sort of a challenge that I guess I set for myself in the poems. Um,
0: I have a question for you actually related okay. to that, because you talked about, like, the matrix of the material. Um, and I feel like one thing I love about your poems is, like, it can, there's a desire to look beyond the matrix of the material, or, like, as we were talking about, like, even just the act of writing poetry is kind of, I think it's, like, a revolutionary act, or it's just, it's, like, weird, you know? Like, it, you're not, like, going to your 9-to-5 job, coming home, watching TV. Like, you're, like, writing a poem. It's very strange, and um, it's a strange thing to do. But, and I think that goes into, like, that desire for something more, right? right. Like is like taking life and it's like going at its slant. Yeah. Um and I feel like um I wanted to just see if you could talk about like the dichotomy and um between kind of like living in the world and then like the desire to make something of it yeah or transcend it or like because you were talking about the gun show poster and it's like you can coexist but then you have judgment so it's
1: yeah Um, maybe it's useful to say even though it feels so pedestrian that so much of um, the book and the poems in the book were Conceived, not written, I'm not that skilled, but conceived while I was driving in traffic, like stuck in traffic. Because I had a job where I, you know, I was like commuting from the west side to the east side and I was in a car three hours a day. And I had um, a tremendous, I mean, I was, I was very pained by that. I was pained at being stuck in a car, as so many of us are during like what could be otherwise sort of useful moments of learning or exploration or something. But I'm like in the car, what can I do with it? How can I somehow salvage these moments? And so what I have is like what I can see, um, which like really kind of, you know, like weird urban environments or suburban environments, um, crashes, um, you know, scary things, or every once in a while, look at that heron. Herons are great. Thank goodness for that heron. Um, But um, I think that that was actually a really important part of sort of trying to make something of a a very um, mired in the body and in the physical world situation. How can I somehow um, make this a, a place for I don't want to say prayer exactly, but I did sort of try to create moments that could have praise in them. And again, I don't think that in the end I always succeeded in that because it's not my natural... my natural mindset, but I did try to sort of find something that could be um, rescued or saved from those moments of being stuck. Can we talk about panic and anxiety sure. real quick, and then the trans- we'll I was just
0: thinking, though, you could, It's like the transcendence of traffic. Yeah, know? exactly. I write all my. I used to live in New York when I was writing like the bulk of. The, um, those two books and um, and then I've been writing poems in LA but now I'm writing longer pieces simply because I used to write on my iPhone on the subway right. and now I dictate on Siri in my car so that it's just getting like really so long it's like the condition, yeah, the yeah like conditions you work with like the landscape yeah. you know exactly. it's like then go you're like working with chiseling
1: yeah. working oh. with the landscape painting. painting yeah okay so yeah um Because it was sort of—I don't know—I feel weird asking you this question, but it was in both of our work. So um, we we both addressed anxiety and panic in our work. Um, And I was curious—I just was curious about your thinking about it in terms of: Have you learned anything about what is sort of a medical condition that you know should be treated um, and addressed (laughs) in concrete ways um, as a poet? Or vice versa. Have, have the two sort of, has the writing of poetry in some way helped you with anxiety and panic? Or um, has panic and anxiety sort of gotten you to an interesting place poetically? I mean, I'm, like,
0: such an anxious person and anxiety for me, like, exists on so many different levels that I think it, like, meets poetry in all kinds of ways. Like, there's, like, the sort of physical anxiety of, like, having an anxiety disorder that, like, you know, I go to cognitive behavioral therapy, I have meds, you know, it, like, kind of works. Um, And then, like, there's, like, the sort of more um, existential anxiety, which for me is, like, the scariest one and, like, where you kind of look at life and you're like, wait, I don't know what this means. And it's, like, really scary. And um, I definitely address that in my poems. Like, the sort of more trippy anxiety, I guess you could call it. Like, when you're not on psychedelics, but, like, you feel like you are and you're like, wait. Um, And then, like, there's also just, like, the sort of banal stuff that I, like fix myself to in life to kind of avoid that, like, scarier second layer of anxiety. I guess so. There's, there's, like, three anxieties. It's, like, an anxiety sandwich. It's, like, the physical, it's, like, the, like, existential, and then it's, like, the bullshit. And, like, I get very tethered to, like, bullshit in my daily life. Like, is this person going to text me? Right. Like, I don't like my haircut. You know, it's just, like, really bullshit, but I get really obsessed with it because, um... If I get attached to that, then I don't have to think about the bigger anxieties. So I think poetry, like, the way it intersects with all those... Well, I think, first of all, the ability to even see beyond, like, yeah. um, like daily life. Like, the bless- the curse of that and also the blessing. Like, that existential anxiety. I mean, that is why... That's, like, where the poems are coming from. Right. Um, and then I think also just, like, when the anxieties about, like, kind of little things start to build up and life feels like a big traffic jam and just, like... Like, not the big what is it all for, but sort of just like the ugh. Um, I feel like poetry sort of is like, it's like, oh, there's something pure in this world. There's like a reason for, like, existing, like I'm not just a piece of shit, you know, like it it serves many different functions, okay, yeah, I think. Right, exactly. Yeah. What
1: about you? I, I was just thinking um, yes, on all those fronts, but I was also thinking about, um, for me at least the sense of, that the anxiety often comes from um, a place of sort of locking in to one um, one way of seeing the world, often mm-hmm. a very self-centered one, um, and that pers- the ability to um, to rapidly switch perspectives in poetry, if I can get there, is 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 actually a rescue. Now I find that if I'm actually in the, in the grip of something, like it's not like that is only a, that's only a, an impediment to, to writing or doing much of anything else. But in terms of something that actually can be learned from a from a habit of writing and reading poetry, um, that sort of. Um, The ability to say this and, or this but, or this or is extremely helpful to sort of rapidly get out of one locked-in perspective on the world and see, um, sort of jettison myself out of that to somewhere else um, is is really great. I recommend poetry for that reason to any fellow sufferers out there. That's Um, real. I never thought of it that way, and it's really and and it's not something that you know helps in the moment, but certainly I think it's you can sort of train your brain, um, and it's one of the things that because I started as a fiction writer. for five or six years I was working on a novel and talk about having to be sort of stuck in a fixed position. I mean writing writing fiction is, a, is an amazing thing and, I, and reading fiction is a great way to get yourself out of any particular bind um, psychologically but um, for me that, that mental work of having to stay in a story mm-hmm. for all those years and pack everything that I was experiencing um, into into that one narrative line um, to, to have this moment which you're not supposed to have in fiction to have this epiphany like oh my god I'm a poet was in Incredibly, was just a huge relief because it was like, oh, I don't have to stay. I can always move. Thank goodness for poetry in that regard. Do you want to read like one more and finish? Or? Sure. Yeah? Like we'll, we'll like, you read one more and be done. I have your book.
0: Spirit fear. The room where I will die is everywhere. I am hiding from a signal on the road. Signal from the angels or signal from the mother. Signal from the dog who is a wolf, who is me. Signal from myself that I gag not to hear. Signal from the earth and under the earth. And I hear the roar of the walls. I eat a young man in the room of my death. I make everyone into a lantern. I make pockets of darkness so the room looks like heaven and I declare my love to the darkness its cocks and its holes like my cocks and my holes stick a rag in my mouth for my lover make the dead smell like the dead thank you
1: I'll try to follow that up seek or settle when a desert dwelled inside of me I went there almost every day the first tree I believed in let me gasp at its presence the second was a heaven of thin air and thorns the third tree just stood there I heard its sermon bloom, shimmer touch something, vanish in truth I was nothing's congregant I followed what fed me fell in love with phenomena cat's claw, bitter bush distance, thirst the outreaching limbs of every living thing If I longed to long for more than the next rain, my desert taught me how to be less than myself, a wealth of evidence nobody read. In truth, I was never pregnant with reverence, except for that time I drifted around for hours, for years, getting nowhere, just here. Thanks.